0: Our major truth this morning, we're in our series called Major in the Minors. The major is the truth, the minor is the minor prophets. Our major in the minors this morning is found in the book of Malachi, written somewhere between 430 and 420 B.C. um, Really approaching on that time period where for a, a period of hundreds of years, Israel did not hear from God. Uh, The people of Israel at this point, they are growing cynical. They are doubting God's promises. They are not believing that there is a benefit for them personally for obeying. And I want to read for you this morning from chapter 3 of this minor prophet Malachi, verse 10. You may have heard it before. I pray that your ears and your heart will be open this morning. Malachi chapter 3 where he says, Bring the whole tithe Into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. This morning, I believe that God is going to show some people how to open the floodgates of God's blessing in their lives but I want you to stick with me, friends. Don't tune it out this morning because you think you know it or you think you've heard it, okay? I want you to stick with me. Will you do that? All right. First of all, God is my source. Where does your resource come from? Where do the things that you have in this life, where do they come from? Your answer to that question is going to determine your values regarding Those resources? Do you believe that it's your ability, that your intelligence, your good looks, your hard work is the source of those resources? Or do you believe that God is the ultimate source for all you have? In John's Gospel, Jesus said that nothing exists in all creation except that which has been brought into being by the activity of God. And with Him, Jesus created all things. He made everything. So in God's plan, He made everything from scratch. And then He turned over the management of all of it to mankind, His finest creation. But it doesn't stop there at the week of creation. It continues on. Let me... Give you some verses. You don't have to look these up. They'll be on the screen, but if you want to jot them down or if they're there in your notes, Psalm 139, verse 13, For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. Even the very fabric of our being exists only because God knit us together. Are you with me? Are are you sure? Are you all right? I'm counting on this verse. God is knitting together a new generation of tailors in my family. I am standing on this, friends. It's about time. Say it. That guy's pretty excited today. We love Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ, right? Who does what? gives me strength it's his he gives it to me he's 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 the source of my strength come on we you know what we think it's us we think it's us we get done with a workout and we're like yeah i am bad yeah like a little yeah oh yeah see what i'm talking about we think it's a, he gives us the strength. Psalm 46.1, man, these are, these are awesome scriptures to rely on. God is our refuge and our strength, our ever-present help in trouble. He's our help in times of trouble. God is responsible, and this I'm, I want to tell you this is from the bottom of my own heart personally. God is responsible for every beat of my heart and every breath that I take. He has given it to me. Amen? That goes for you too. You may not have had an experience like mine, but He is responsible for every breath that you take. James chapter 1 verse 17, every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father. So every good thing that's in our life, everything, He is the source of it. Are you with me? Do you see what I'm saying here this morning? He's the source of all of it. But if you believe that it's it's your ability, your intelligence, your hard work, that those things are the source, then you are the owner of those resources in your mind, and you are the one who has control over them. Okay? But if you believe that God is the source of everything that you have, then you are the manager of Of God's resources. Now the problem is that there are not two truths here. There's only one truth. So if God indeed is who he says he is. And we are the managers. And our attitude is that. Hey it's because of me. It's because of my work. It's because of my dedication. It's because of my ability. We are taking credit for what he has done. He has given us the breath. He has given us the strength. He has given us the abilities. He has given us those passions. And we are stepping in and we are robbing from his glory. Are you with me? Robbing of his glory. God is the source of all that we have, whether we want to admit it or not. Next, this is big. This is big. I'm under grace. Are you with me? I'm under grace. A lot of times that's we when we look at scriptures in the Old Testament we say hey hey listen man I am so glad that I am under grace. Did you know that the, that that talking about resources is the second uh, most written about subject in all of scripture? Did you realize that? Second. You say come on. Really? 500 more verses are written on finances and resources than on the topic of prayer. (laughs) 500 more verses are written on finances and resources than faith. That, That blows your mind when you really think about it. And Malachi says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. People struggle with this verse because Malachi uses this word tithe. What does that mean? It means a tenth. A lot of people are like, are you kidding me? We're, I'm under grace, man. I don't. I, listen, that 10th stuff, you know, I, I, I think that was for the Old Testament. That's not for us today. Do you realize that Old Testament scholars believe if you really add up everything that God put on the people of Israel and said, this is what I want you to do then, and this is what I want you to do now, 23%. You're like, hey, dude, this 10's looking a lot better. So <laughs> Let's just stick with that. But what does the New Testament say? What does Jesus say when it comes to what we have? And and I'm going somewhere with this today, and I, I don't want you to think that this is a message that's designed about finances, because I believe at the heart of it, this is a message about trusting God with everything that you have. Since Jesus' death and resurrection you and I are no longer under the law, but under grace. And being under grace means something uh, totally different. So let's look at what it means in comparison to being under the law. Under the, the Old Testament law, the law said, do not commit murder. Okay? Good thing, right? That's a, that's a pretty good law. I'm, I'm all right with that. But what did Jesus say? And remember, Jesus didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill the law. Jesus didn't say, don't commit murder. Jesus said, if you look at someone in anger and you have anger in your heart toward them, it's the same as committing murder. The Old Testament law, here's another really good law. Do not commit adultery. That's a wonderful law that God has given us. What does Jesus say about that? Jesus said if you even look on someone with lust in your heart that you have already committed adultery. Are you with me? Do you see where this is heading? The Old Testament law required people to bring a lamb for the Passover to be sacrificed by the priest. How many? Anybody? I I'm, I'm, I know that there's a couple people in here that got sheep, but anybody got any 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 lambs just you know cruising around the house? Not very many of us. We would all be taking a trip out to the Draytons to buy. You know, hey, do you have any lambs that we can that we can buy? That'd be a new market, wouldn't it? That'd be that'd be good for them. But Jesus became the Passover Lamb for us. His blood provides forgiveness. That, that lamb that passed over in the Old Testament under the law, it provided forgiveness for a period of time. Okay? Jesus came and he died, the Lamb of God, slain before the foundation of the world, Revelation says, when Jesus died, he died once for all. Think about that. We don't have to sacrifice again and again and again. All right, so what does that mean? Our responsibility spiritually then is to place ourselves on the altar of sacrifice. Paul said it this way. when he, he said, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, the fact that God did not give to you and I what we deserved, in view of God's mercy... He said, I want you to lay your, make yourselves a living sacrifice, okay? You see, in the Old Testament, when that sacrifice was laid on the altar, it was consumed and it could only happen once. But you and I are called to be a living sacrifice, which is holy and acceptable before the Lord. It's a reasonable form of worship. And it's not a one-time gig. It's over and over. It's every single day. That's what we're called to do. So being under grace, yes, it's very different than being under the law. But it is not like some some supernatural get-out-of-jail-free card where you don't have to do anything because literally the same way Jesus took the law and he one-upped it, literally in our lives, we we have to live to a greater degree for God under grace. The reality is that grace always demands more of us than the law did. In fact, the law couldn't really change them. The law was really affected the outside. It affected their actions, but it, it couldn't get at the heart. And, and grace gets to the very heart of the matter. It gets to your heart, and, and it gets to my heart. Jesus came to do what the law couldn't do. I love a quote that I found by a woman named Courtney Mazaro. She said almost all Christians are called to be more extravagant free will giving in response to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ based on faith in God as provider. You and I are called to be extravagant to be extravagant. Why? Because not not because he's given us things, but because he has saved us, because he has provided grace for us, because Jesus went to the cross, and out of thanksgiving, out of gratitude for God, we're called to be extravagant people in the kingdom of God. In Mark's gospel, Jesus draws his disciples' attention to a, a poor widow who gave two copper coins that Jesus said were literally only worth a couple of cents she gave them in the offering in the temple treasury Jesus tells his followers he said this tiny gift was worth more than all the others because she gave out of her wealth while she, uh, they gave out of their wealth while she gave out of her poverty she literally gave all that she had, and did anyone say that she had to give that? No, they did not. In fact, they would have said, Hey, listen, you keep that, it's so small, it's all you have. You keep that in the New Testament. Paul says this in Second Corinthians 9 7. He said, Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. We should give out of a a heart of gratitude for what Jesus has done for us. So here's my question, what has Jesus done for you? Because that determines it. Have you experienced His grace? Have you experienced His forgiveness? What about peace? What about joy? Unspeakable and full of glory. What about eternal life? Is anything that we possess here on earth worth any of those things in reality? The answer is no. Because when we check out of this world, none of it will matter. But we will walk into his glory. And we will receive a reward that God has prepared for us. And none of this will even be a distant memory in our minds. So, here's the reality of what Malachi says. Test me now. That's what he says. Look at that. Verse 10, the second part of it. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Obedience to God and to his word will always produce Blessing. It doesn't matter what we're talking about, obedience. (laughs) My own wife. Anybody else I would have expected it. (laughs) How do I recover from that? gonna take a lot (laughs) the hebrew word and and this is something god's word is so amazing and when we begin to study it, it it's just i love it that word floodgates when he said that he will open the floodgates in the hebrew as i was studying that word it means sluice Okay, now I can see some of you grimacing. Sluice, I happen to be a, a, a fan of, of, there's a certain show on, on TV uh, called Gold Rush. So I know all about sluices, okay? I feel like if you dropped me off, in a Ala- in the yukon you know or in a Ala- i could i could like i could get gold okay i, I know so much from watching that show <laughs> the, the a sluice box okay is something that a miner uses and it's set up at an angle and there's these things called riffles in it, and and so you have to direct water through the sluice box, and the water comes out the end, and the water, what it does is it brings all the gold-rich material through it, and because the gold is heavier, it settles in the riffles in the sluice box. But what the sluice box really is, is a channel to direct the flow, okay? Okay? That's what the sluice box really is. You'll see pictures of of miners and they'll set up right in the stream and they'll channel the water right through one area, okay? And then they put their material in it and then that water carries it through. But it's the water that's channeled. That's the real sluicing, okay? And when God says, test me and see, see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven in your life, he's saying, I'm going to literally channel blessing into your life. He's not talking about one thing. He's not just talking about our finances. He's talking about everything that we have. Scripture tells us, and Madison talked about this yesterday. He said, Scripture says that the one who has been given much will receive more. Why? Because he's got himself in a place where God is channeling all of that blessing through his life. And the one who has little, will re- even that will be taken from him. Why? Because they're not in the flow of God's blessing. Oh, see if I will not open the floodgates Of life on you. John chapter 21. There's a connection friends. Between our obedience. And God's flow in our lives. John 21. We read. That right after. The disciples experienced Jesus death and resurrection. He's appeared to them in John 21. Peter announces this is a great statement. I'm going fishing. Typical man. Typical man. I'm going I'm going fishing. You know, okay, Jesus, is, he spent three years investing in our lives. He died for our sins. He rose from the grave. He's, he's ascended. To, I'm going fishing. And a few of the others said, okay, we'll go with you. So they go fishing. Now, they don't fish with a rod and reel. They fish with nets. And they throw those nets out. Now, anybody that's ever gone on an overnight fishing trip, okay, this is a very exciting thing. Okay. The, because the possibilities are just incredible. You literally, you're out there and, and you're 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 leaving the, the boat dock and, and you're gonna fish all night. It is an exciting proposition because the potential is endless and they go out they fish all night and 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 I'll tell you the only thing that's bigger than the the anticipation of leaving on an all night fishing trip is coming back with nothing okay because because you have just wasted an entire night's sleep and you're like this is stupid I could have I could have slept instead I spent all night long fishing That's just what fishermen go through, okay? And they were just uh, just about to wrap up. They'd fished all night. It's morning. And somebody is on the shore, and he starts talking to them. They don't know who it is at this point. Well, we know that it's Jesus. And Jesus yells out to them. He said, hey, guys, did you catch any fish? Not a good question. Not a good question. Why? Because they hadn't caught anything. If they had caught anything, they would have said no, because that's how fishermen are. They're not going to tell you, but they hadn't caught anything. And I can imagine the grumbling and the complaint, no, and they're they're working on their nets, and they so they don't even give him any attention. And then the next thing that Jesus said, even worse, why don't you throw your nets on the right side of your boat? I can imagine them saying, what does he think we've been doing, just fishing off the left side of the boat the whole night? They were, man, they're they're mad, okay? Fishermen, especially if somebody else is catching fish around them, fishermen get angry, okay? They get angry. I may have experienced that anger before in my life. And now they're, they're like, this guy is standing on the shore and he is telling us if we will throw our nets onto the right side of the boat that all of a sudden we're gonna catch fish. Who does he think he is, okay? Let me, let me give you, uh, let me. this is what this is like, okay, guys? I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but have you ever had your mother-in-law try to diagnose your car problems? <laughs> Come on, work with me, work with me. And she <laughs> says... She says, I think it's your fuel filter, okay? And you've been working on this car and working on this car and something's not right, and you want to know what it is so bad because you want to fix it and be done, right? Isn't that what you want to do? But you have a problem, okay? You also don't want her to be right. (laughs) I'm just being honest. This also may have happened to me in my lifetime, And so when no one is looking and no one is around, you check that fuel filter. Why? Because you really want this car to get fixed. And if it happened to be that she was right, you will take that secret to your grave. (laughs) You will never tell anyone. Why? You want it fixed. You just don't want her to to have that that little feather in her cap. Okay? Okay. Let me tell you that's how these guys were feeling. But fishermen they're they're funny, okay? They're funny. We are funny people when it comes to we we've we put all that effort in we, and we could be so close. We could be so close and some guy pulls up next to you and says just switch colors, you know? Switch colors and it'll all turn around. And we're thinking there is no way and we tell him, "Forget it." He pulls away. What do we do? We switch colors. We go to a red jig, okay? That's okay, and what happens? He start, we start catching fish. Now it's all us. Oh, man, it's all, it's, we're just that good. I can imagine the conversation in the boat. Guys, we, we have fished all night long, and we haven't caught anything. Do you really think we, we should do this? And one of them says, man, we don't have anything to lose. Let's go ahead and let's do it. And I envision them grabbing those nets and they're just gonna they're gonna make that throw, okay? And they're getting ready. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. Everything's still the same. And they're they're winding up, okay? And I imagine those nets just being released from their hands. Nothing has changed. Those nets hit the water. Nothing has changed. They begin to sink. The weights sink to the bottom, some sort of cork on the surface so that the nets stretch out. And once those nets get fully extended, bang, it happens. And all of a sudden, they begin to realize that there's fish in the nets. And they start scrambling and they start trying to grab that net and pull it up. But all of a sudden that net's getting heavier and they cannot get those fish out of the water. The nets are full, so full that they can't get them up. They've got to literally drag them back to the shore. And it was at that moment that they realized it's Jesus. It's Jesus. You say, man, what does this have to do? You see, that's you and I. That's you. That's a picture of you and I. When God says, so so, what do you really think? Is, is everything that you have, is it because you got it for yourself or is it because I've given you the very breath of life that I've given you those abilities, that I've given you those skills, I've given you that passion and finally we just say, I'm gonna wind up and I am gonna let it all go and I'm gonna release it to him. And you think nothing changes. Nothing changes until it, that net gets all the way down, and bang, all of a sudden, the flow begins to happen. Remember, Jesus is the one that created the fish, He's the one that created the water, He's created the flow, He's created you, and He desires to bless you. It's exciting. He says test me in this. The King James says prove me now. Not tomorrow. Not next week. Not next month. Not next year. He said prove me now. In fact, Benson's commentary says that it's it's it, it says make an experiment. Are you are you kidding me? The Bible is encouraging me To make an experiment of this. To let that net go. To literally say, it's no longer in my control. I let it go to you, God. Nothing's happened yet. Not until that moment when everything is in place and he's in control of the flow that that blessing begins to come. Luke chapter 6. This is the New Testament equivalent from Malachi. Luke 6, 38, he said, Give and it will be given to you a good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. He promises us that if we will obey him, he will open the floodgates of heaven's blessings upon our life in every area of our lives. When we let when we, when we let go, when we release those those resources that came from him in the first place, he opens up that sluice. He directs the flow of his blessing upon our lives and literally, it'll take your breath away because it's so great. But don't take my word for it. Take his word for it. Test him and see. Maybe it's your ability. Maybe it's your resource. Maybe it's your time. But he's the source of it. Test him. Test him. Friends, I said earlier, this is not so much a message on giving as it is on trusting God with everything you have. You say, I cannot afford to give of my time to God. Don't have time. He created time. Are you with me? He created time. And we can tell God, I don't have time. We say, I don't have enough to give of my resources. God created those resources. He created you. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He created everything about you. He gave you everything that you have. It's his. You say, how can I be sure? He said, prove me now. Make an experiment of it. And I'll show you my greatness. I love the fact that God has never failed us yet. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20 says that no matter how many the promises are that God has made to you and I, they are yes and amen in Christ. That word amen means so be it, but there's a personal aspect to it. It's not just so be it for you, it's so be it even unto me. His promises are yes and amen. So be it, even unto me. Yes, God, I believe it. I affirm it to you that it will be as you have said it is. I want you to stand with me all across this room, out in the hub as well as we get ready to close our service. I just, I just feel this morning and I felt it in my spirit before I even got here today. That God wants to speak to some people this morning and it's about trust. That's the word. It's about trust. I do not know what area it is, but I know that God wants to move in the area of trust in some lives this morning. And I'm just going to invite the worship team to begin to play. And I want to encourage you wherever you are this morning. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and is saying to you, there's some trust that I'm, I'm calling you to trust me. I don't know what area it is. But I know this, that God says, test me and see. Prove me now. Make an experiment of it and I will not fail you. Whatever that is. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray right now, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will be speaking to hearts, I believe, that He already has. And Lord, I pray that the person right now that they know in their in their own heart, they know it in their mind. That they they wouldn't want anybody to know what they're thinking about right now because they feel the Holy Spirit challenging them. And Lord, whatever that is, I pray. That in the next few minutes, Lord, that they will decide to take a step based on what God is doing in their heart regarding trusting you in every circumstance and with everything that we have.